Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss classic vegas it gives you some makes you feel good makes you feel at home maybe there's a free drink involved but then over time it just steals your soul it's the yahoo sports hockey podcast justin cuthbert back with you after the vegas golden knights 4-1 victory over the Montreal Canadiens in game one of semifinal number two, unofficially, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think that idea that Vegas gives you some is initially welcoming, but soon after you're desperately looking to board a plane out of there, works on a multitude of levels in this one, or after this one. First, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights looks susceptible early in this game, until they weren't anymore. And second they weren't very good tonight at all and likely will be far better, perhaps considerably so as this series goes on and for as long as it lasts. And still they won game one versus the Montreal Canadiens handily a problem that is for Montreal. Okay. So what did we learn from the first matchup between these two teams and what a year and a half and certainly the first matchup for either team outside of the division and I think when answering that question, we have to start with the defense. At full strength, I think Montreal would actually feel pretty good about that matchup. They got a legitimate top four. They've got an exciting rookie in Alexander Romanov. They've got some decent depth options when it's when everyone's fully healthy. They actually have some specialists. They can bring Gustafson in if they want a power play option. But in this one, and more so than the forward groups and more so than the goaltending the defense was the difference between the two teams. That's partly because Montreal is banged up, but mostly due to the fact that Vegas's defense is just simply incredible. Tonight, the six of them combined for three of the four goals and six total points. And Alex Petrangelo, who was probably their best defenseman tonight, was the only one that didn't factor on the score sheet. But further than that, because it's not all about offense with them, even though they do provide some of that, but after a, a rough opening period, I would say, for the Vegas Golden Knights, and I'd mentioned that Montreal was pretty good early, seemed to find their footing when, you know, maybe we didn't expect them to. But after that, once it sort of flipped, the Vegas defense helped, the, uh, helped limit the Canadians, rather, to zero high-danger looks at 5-on-5 five five in the last two periods combined. When you take away 6-on-5 and 5-on-4 and all that, that was a solid 28 minutes straight at the normal five-on-five five condition where the Montreal Canadiens didn't produce even one quality look at Marc-Andre Fleury. 
Among the defense corps, I think Shea Weber was the story early. Uh, he scored his first of the playoffs to open the scoring in the game, which interrupted the unexpectedly strong start for Montreal, but also an incredible streak for them. The Canadians had gone 447 minutes without trailing. It's the second longest in postseason history and actually dates back to game four versus Toronto before the Theodore goal. Three weeks without trailing, almost, I think. It's pretty incredible. And so was Theodore's shot fake on the second Vegas goal, which did belong to Alec Martinez, uh, but was really Theodore's doing. Not only did he sell the shot fake incredibly well, but the pass was exactly where it needed to be to beat a outstretched and scrambling Carey Price. And that was after his hard sell, that hard shot fake, when he had all the time in the world and every reason to step into a shot from the middle of the slot with as much velocity as he possibly could produce. It actually turned him away from Alec Martinez because he was moving at such a, not a high speed, but a reasonable level. And he, it kind of turned into a no look pass onto the stick of Martinez. It was very, very impressive. But on the flip side of the defensive equation, you've got Montreal. And I mentioned that they're reeling a little bit. They've got Jeff Petrie out, of course. And now it looks like Shea Weber might be banged up a little bit. At least he was at the end of the game, which would be a major problem. But what the Petrie injury did was force this Kulak-Romanov pairing together. And in over seven minutes at five on five in this game, they produced a 7% Corsi 4 rating and had two goals against. So massive trouble without Petrie. But where does it leave Montreal if Weber isn't right either? That's uh, it's a, it's a significant problem. I will say this about Romanov though: the dude was unafraid, uh, stepping up in one of his first shifts of the game and hammering Alex Petrangelo in open ice. Such a big spot, such a high charged environment. From Romanov, at least in that moment, nothing but nails. We had a pretty lengthy preview of this series over the weekend with Julia McKenzie of the athletic. Uh, and we sort of came to the agreement as we sort of bandied about some ideas that Nick Suzuki was maybe the most important player for the Montreal Canadians, maybe one of the most important players in this series, just based on how, how influential they might be to the outcome. That's because no matter how the matchup shook down, it seemed like Suzuki and the Suzuki line with Cole Caulfield and Tyler Toffoli we're going to be in a position where they would have to have influence for Montreal to be successful. They needed to be good in order for the results to swing in Montreal's favor. And I'm not sure it was the opposite tonight. In fact, nothing really happened when Suzuki was on the ice at five on five in particular, except for one lost face off that resulted in the Shea Theodore goal. But still, I mean, that's a deficit, so it's not great. But that line needs to do more than break even. That line needs to produce at five on five, especially if they are not matched up head to head with the Stone, Pacioretty, Chandler, Stevenson line. Because you'd like to think that the Vegas top line, which is a lot like the Montreal top line in that it is at first a defensively dominant top line. You'd think that if Suzuki is playing away from Stone, that that line needs to produce uh, just because that's how the matchups work. And at five on five, at least in game one, the Suzuki line just did not produce enough offensively. And that's disappointing because they're down in the series, but it's also disappointing because they didn't produce on a night where Marc-Andre Fleury 
didn't seem to be at his best. I don't think he was totally on in this game at all. I think he was a little scrambly early and partially due to the fact that Vegas wasn't very good at the start and partially due to the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury didn't seem quite steady in the crease. I was surprised that Fleury actually didn't give one up. In that period, the first period, Montreal was at its best, was at its best and produced the most uh, maybe from either team in, in one period at five on five. That was the most dominant sort of stretch was Montreal early. And that has to add to the disappointment a bit because Marc-Andre Fleury isn't going to have many bad games, you don't think at least. And even though he only gave up one in this game, I don't think this was one of his better performances of the playoffs. And likewise, Carey Price wasn't all that either. Um, and that might be half glass, you know, glass half full, glass half empty here for if you're, you know, at least from the Montreal uh, perspective. But with Price, uh, there were spectacular moments highlight reel saves, winks and smiles and all that. But the first and fourth goals were not great from him. And it wasn't that he gave up softies or just was beaten clean. Uh, he didn't give up, you know, he didn't save shots that he could have stopped. The problems were that he wasn't tracking the puck very well. He lost where the puck was going and was sort of beaten by surprise. A lot of people will say that the Montreal Canadiens wasted a very good Carey Price performance. But I don't think so. I actually think that was one of his worst games because we're all, we're all going to remember the highlight reel saves, but um, he had trouble tonight and uh, he's got to shore up some some of his issues if he's going to give Montreal the goaltending that it needs. If there was a highlight for Montreal, it was the Cole Caulfield goal on the power play, Montreal's only goal of the game. I'm not sure he'd sleep too well tonight if he didn't get the exact same wide open net handed to him eight seconds after he missed a wide open net on the power play, but he did. And he buried to score his first career playoff goal. Believe in it's ninth in his ninth game. Uh, awesome to see his parents there, his brother there rocking a gold Caulfield shirt. Very cool moment for the family and a very profitable night as well for Cole Caulfield. Uh, Sportsnet's Chris Johnson shared that with that first playoff goal, he played in his 20th NHL game this season, which within his contract means that he's due a $107,500 bonus. So a good night, at least for Cole Caulfield, who hasn't make, made money yet, you know, playing hockey yet really in his career. I mean, he just got out of college this year, played a little bit, picked up some money and is uh, on the paycheck and some per diem there in Vegas. Uh, but big money yet hasn't made it. That is until tonight where he's uh, 100K richer. Uh, so a good night for Cole Caulfield, even in a loss. So the thing that happens before, you know, after every game, after every game one in any playoff series, is we sort of, we get a glimpse of what the matchups may look like, what the coaches are thinking um, in terms of how they want to strategize and how they think they can create their own advantages in the series. And I think after game one here that we saw exactly what Montreal wants. Maybe, maybe not exactly. We saw, we got a window into what Montreal wants, but we don't know exactly because they didn't get to implement it without last change. So we kind of know, but we don't know for sure. But with Vegas, I mean, they seemed unfazed by matchups, hard matches. They weren't interested in. They were unmoved by any of that. They did not show their hand in terms of what, they would like if it gets to those tenuous moments. But with Montreal, right away, we saw they want, or Dominic Ducharme wants, 
those top lines to match. So he wants those the Deneau, Stone, Stevenson, Pacioretty matchup. Uh, and it actually seemed like he preferred his third line with Kotkaniemi, Anderson, and Byron against the original Misfits line, which has been the highest scoring line for Vegas so far in the postseason, which is interesting. But I think perhaps he moved away from that a little bit. But that again, that could be all due to the fact that Peter DeBoer just didn't care and was throwing out whatever line he wanted to and allowing Montreal just to react to him, which is a powerful and good place to be in if that route can give you the results that it gave him tonight. Um, but it looks like, at least if it is Montreal's way, that we're going to see the top lines going head-to-head, which is interesting, because if you're Deneau or if you're Dominic Ducharme, do you want Deneau shutting down the most profitable line so far from Vegas? I suppose not, but you can't really go wrong trying to shut down what is Vegas's best line. Uh, but now it seems like it's just the middle six are going to go at it. Whatever matchups are there are going to happen, and it's up to uh, one line or one player to make the most of that while the fourth lines become maybe a little less uh, of a uh, of a story in this series if they just create a wash. But it's something to look out for. Um, we'll see if Vegas even gets to the position where they have to show their hand, but after game one, it seems like they haven't revealed anything. Okay, so as we look toward game two, I think we have to ask if there's anything encouraging from the Montreal perspective. I mean, they weren't blown out of the building. They didn't appear outclassed. But as I mentioned off the top, I don't think Vegas played very well. The top two lines did very little. They relied 100% on their defense defense to provide the scoring. So is it glass half full or is it glass half empty? Was there contact made on the Vegas fastball or did Vegas not have their fastball at all? Was there success shutting down Vegas or did Vegas or does Vegas have another gear that would increase the margin that might already be considered pretty wide? I don't think we have answers. And I think that's really at this point, as we talk about game two, until we reach the point where the puck drops on game two, that's just up to Habs fans to decide and to debate. Game two is Wednesday. Uh, Montreal will need a victory to avoid falling down 0-2. While Tuesday night, the Tampa Bay Lightning need a victory to avoid going to Nassau Coliseum down 0-2 to the New York Islanders. We will talk about that game on Tuesday night, and we will talk about game two between Vegas and Montreal on Wednesday night. But until that point, we are done. We'll chat with you soon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 